you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. What's up, team? I'm sure you've missed us, but Sin and I are back, bringing value directly to your ears with another episode of Our Kind of Pod. In this episode, we'll talk a little about legacy building, UW's recruiting hall, peeking forward to next season, and of course, previewing the Ohio State Buckeyes ahead of the Rose Bowl. Please be sure to subscribe to the feed, leave a five-star rating, and a review while you're at it if you're feeling a little extra holiday cheer you want to spread around. Enjoy! Welcome to our kind of pod, a uh, special Rose Bowl preview edition. Damn, that sounds good to say. Uh, damn, you look good across the table from me. Uh, here live with Michael Stanton. Stanton, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, this is good, man. We've uh, we mostly do these over Skype, but always nice when we can, you know, really bring the heads together and, and uh, make this happen live in person. Yeah, in a vacant home. <laughs> My vacant childhood home. Yeah, I was gonna say if uh, if we get a listener to to make an offer on your house, I think your dad owes us a cut. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, at least like a couple percentage points off the top of that. Anything you want to sell about it? I mean, we got what <clears throat> two and a half bathrooms, great greenbelt access in the back. Uh, this is true. You know, three bedrooms, spacious three, kitchen, two good island. Half. Yeah, great right. island. Looks like new burners. Yep, new new uh, appliances in here. Stainless steel. You know. Yeah. What, what What's not to like? Espresso machine. I'm assuming that comes with it. Um, we can throw that in if you want. My <laughs> yeah. dad's replaced it, so might Hell as yeah. well. All right. So if you're in the market uh, and uh, <laughs> are interested in the Isquai area, uh, which would be about zero of our listeners, uh, you know, hit us <laughs> up. Hit us up. But uh, yeah, we're we're previewing today the, uh, the the Rose Bowl, UW, and Ohio State. Uh, should be a good one for the prestige factor, but also just the the the, the matchup here. Uh, Ohio State, a offensive powerhouse, fourth in the country in offensive S and P plus, thirty seventh in defense. Uh, Washington, basically the inverse of that, thirty fourth in offense, third in defense. Uh, so a classic offense versus defense battle. We'll get into uh, to our four downs to talk a little bit of Ohio State, what to expect there, uh, and then look through the Pac twelve bowl report, and then uh, finish it as we always do with Great Cat and OKG. Let's start first with our first down which is what's at stake for this game. And originally when we posed this question, as we do with everything, as we think about things in a, in a Jake Browning lens, because he's just that <laughs> damn interesting. Uh, but it's actually, it's a little bit bigger than that. And I had a few names in mind uh, for kind of what's at stake uh, in terms of a legacy perspective in this game uh, for, for some of the parties involved. So uh, what do you think? Let's just start with Browning. Uh, what would a win do and what might a loss do if, if, uh, if it goes that way? Um. I mean, Browning's gotten the knock his entire career that he can't really win that big game. I mean, you can think of the Peach Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl. Um, he's definitely won some big games in conference, but nothing um, as big as those two games. And so that would be a big step in the right direction for him and cementing his legacy here at UW to uh, top it off with a Rose Bowl win. With that said, um, it can't be understated the effect that he's had on this program, even if, if we were to lose this Um Nothing that he himself should hang his head about. Um, I know that's been a topic of conversation all, all season, um, but he is one of the best quarterbacks to ever come through UW. Um, yes, I just said that. Um, so even if we lose, I think Browning, mostly positive uh, thoughts about him leaving this program, but uh, would be nice to cement 
his legacy with a Pac-12 or a Rose Bowl victory. Yeah, looking looking at it from the, the, the grand scheme of things over his four years, I was kind of in my head counting his biggest wins. Obviously, the two Pac-12 championship games are probably that. Uh, the win at home against Stanford his sophomore year, uh, and then his freshman year going into to USC and beating what was at the time, I think, a, a top 15 USC team. Obviously, that team kind of fell apart. So, yeah, that signature win, uh, that marquee Jake Browning moment hasn't really happened yet. Although, you know, 44 wins, I think, in his in his time at, at UW. Um, so there's there's plenty there in terms of, a, 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 a you know, an overall a, a accomplishment. But this specific win against Ohio State would do a lot to to uh, make it people forget about the Penn State game, the Alabama game, et cetera. And even from a this season perspective, my God, what a season, right? Se- senior year coming in, first game against Auburn, uh, huge disappointment there. You write the ship. I think that Oregon game was his best game as a Husky. End up losing that game, getting benched against Cal. Now he has a chance to win five straight to finish his senior season at UW um, and kind of ride off into the sunset. So uh, a lot at stake there. But I think yeah, knowing this market, knowing the uh, the Husky fan base, a loss would would really put him in some some weird territory. I think that the the, uh, the Sharks would come out. Uh, and, and really have their way with, with Jake Browning and tarnishing um, everything that's happened. And, and so I, I fear for that, uh, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, that would be a shame. I really hope that doesn't happen, but that is the reality of sports and just people you know reacting, um, <clears throat> way overreacting. So, uh, yeah, obviously would love to see the Huskies win. That's the biggest understatement of the of this year, but at the same time, I kind of want this for Browning as well. Yeah, that's the guy I think of the most um, in terms of uh, on that team who it would mean the most to. I mean, there's there's guys in that senior class, uh, you know, that are playing in their last game. Not technically the same class as Browning, but uh, Greg Gaines, Caleb McGarry, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but uh, but Browning has really been through the ringer in his four years at UW. Mm-hmm. Uh, so getting him a win would be would be awfully nice. Uh, how about Miles Gaskin? It's it's a little bit different for him. I mean, he's connected at the hip with Browning in terms of the same class. Their record is the same, um, but uh, it, it's kind of a little bit less in his hands. But I think that if this game goes well, gets the win over Buck Fifty, uh, the argument for him as the best running back in UW history might be pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, I think he is even without this victory. Um, his career has been so great that this would just be a cherry on top to mm-hmm. one of the greatest, not just running back careers at UW, but just overall careers in uh, football, UW football history. Um, if the Huskies are to win on January 1st, it probably will be due to the fact because Miles Gaskin has a great game. Um, that's one of the mismatches I think that we'll see um, or potentially could exploit in this game. So um, I I think Gaskin could have a pretty big game. game. Um, with that said, though, I think it's irrelevant if they win or lose. I think his, his legacy is mm-hmm. cemented in, in stone at this point. Yeah, and, and two, with Gaskin, thinking about those same kind of lens that we're looking at Browning at in the, the big game category, a uh, little bit, bit of a disappointing game numbers-wise against Alabama, but join the club. That was everybody. Unless your name was Dante Pettis. Uh, Penn State, uh, Gaskin ended up having a, a nice little stat line because he had a nice carry at the end there, but uh, a little bit left to be desired. And now, so this game uh, would be a really big opportunity to to put his name uh, out there. And even the Auburn game didn't have a, an amazing game um, on his part. So uh, it, it's a good chance there. And then also, 
the opportunity is there given that Ohio State gave up 298 yards to the Maryland running back uh, just the week before they played Michigan. So uh, the opportunity is there, and then the, uh, the, the, you know, the stakes are very clear there for Gaskin. Another one here for me is on that defensive side of the ball in a couple different ways. Both the players, uh, Byron Murphy, Taylor Rabb, Jordan Miller, Ben Burkirvin, uh, all of those guys getting to play against the number, you know, a top five offensive team in the country, um, and especially in the defensive backfield, playing against Dwayne Haskins, who will either be the first or second quarterback taken off the board in this this May's April or this May's NFL draft, um, and then as well as a bunch of NFL receivers to show out against. So that would be an awesome uh, kind of opportunity for those guys, especially for Byron Murphy and Taylor Rapp, who will not be going to uh, the Senior Bowl. And again, I'm assuming that they're going pro here. Um, so seeing them against Ohio State's talent will be interesting. And then also for Jimmy Lake. I mean, Jimmy Lake, this is a lot of uh, people's, you know, the kind of noise shuts off a little bit. You're just focused on one or two games. Uh, Jimmy Lake is one of the hot names in college football coaching the carousel there. Um, this would be quite the feather for him to put in his, his, his visor because he's not really a cap guy. Uh, if he can hold Ohio State down in this game. One of those rare bald visor guys. But uh, yeah, I agree. But I, I would also add JoJo McIntosh and Jordan Miller to that equation too, just because of the fact that they're not as highly regarded from a draft standpoint as Rap or Byron Murphy. So sure. um, this is a stage that they can really prove themselves and show that their worth um, against some top wide receiver talent. So um, yeah, the whole secondary is definitely has a lot to prove here. Um but, you know, if anybody's going to prove them right, it, you know, it would be this Husky secondary because they're just so damn good. Yeah, and basically the inverse is true for uh, for Ohio State as well. I mean, Haskins playing against a uh, as close to an NFL-level secondary as you could possibly get uh, will be a big tune-up for him. So that is uh, is definitely something to look forward to. And, and as, as weird as it is, I would kind of relish any opportunity where Ohio State drops back to pass uh, just because it presents an opportunity to get those guys involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about how that's going to look in the game. But looking forward to, uh, you know, this is time to just hunker down and, and worry about the high school kids, right? Because last week we had uh, a big early signing day. First of all, huge fan of that, mm-hmm. uh, having the early signing yeah. day instead of just the, the February deadline for all that. Uh, they had the early signing day, 20 signees? 20, exactly. 20, 20 signees coming into UW, a relatively uh, drama-free day. Um, Chris Peterson likes to tout that, right? The uh, I got up, had some coffee, watched some papers come in, and then got back to work. Uh, you know, a little bit different than the Sark days where it was always, you know, is there a Shaq Thompson or something like that coming down the pipeline? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, relatively uneventful, still some guys to keep an eye on between now and then the uh, the February date. Uh, but you're you're locked in on this. You're uh, you're perusing dogman boards like like a like a pig hunting for truffles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do we have here? Give us uh, give us some names to watch. And uh, this is this is going to be you flexing your pronunciation ability because right. you've uh, you've got a gift there. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, yeah, so this class was another solid class, finishing per 247.com, uh, 16th best in the nation, which is the second straight year we have been. Uh, set as a 16 best best class obviously there's still a few more um, players that could sign in this class and will sign in this class but um this is the early signing period so it was the on the 19th through the 21st um the only the only pac-12 team that was better per the rankings is oregon but uh we're not here to talk about them but so i'll get right into the the standouts that you will probably see from this class 
and it starts uh, with Fa'atui Tuitele out of St. Louis High School in Hawaii. He's a 6'2", 304-pound defensive tackle, rated 46 overall in the country. Uh, chose the Huskies over the likes of Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, uh, Florida, Oklahoma. The list goes on and on. So it was a bit of a coup at the same time. Um, this was really a Kaika Malloy's um, doing. He's had an incredible... Um, time recruiting for the Huskies. This is uh, our defensive line coach. Um, bringing in, I believe, five Hawaiian recruits, uh, Tuiteli being the top one. Uh, nimble, athletic pass rusher um, who can also just fill a lot of space. Um, perfect three-tech guy for UW schemes. So he'll line up between the offensive guard and offensive tackle. Can bully his way into the backfield. Um, relentless in pursuit, and many believe he projects to be a first or second day draft pick uh, when that comes the time that he's leaving UW. So a um, lot to happen in that time, obviously, but this is a guy to be really excited about. Um, and that leads us to our second guy, which is also on the defensive front, uh, Jacob Bandis out of Pittsburgh High School, uh, 6'2", 315 defensive tackle. Um, he's kind of has a unique size of strength, power, and quickness. He has you know, seen comparisons to UCLA's former D-tackle Eddie Vanderdose. Mm. Um, he excels in run stopping, um, but also can rush the passer pretty effectively for his size due to that quickness that he has. He is enrolling early as well, so uh, it's expected because our D-line rotation is so thin in 2019 that it's expected that he will be able to avoid a redshirt and um, will battle out with the likes of Tuli Latuli Gasanoa and Sam Taimani for time in that interior defensive line position. Now you're showing off. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one was a big one as well. Uh, Trent McDuffie out of St. John Bosco High School in California. Cornerback, four-star recruit, top 130 guy. Chose UW over Oklahoma, USC, you know, the the blue bloods out there. Um, incredible ball skills. Has seen a lot of comparisons to Byron Murphy because of that. Um, he has pretty much every physical tool you'd want in a next-level corner with decent size, around 5'11", and he can build that frame out even more at, only at 187. Um, with the loss of Jordan Miller and Byron Murphy, there's going to be some openings at cornerback. Keith Taylor probably has one of those wrapped up, but uh, he'll be fighting with Elijah Molden, Julius Irvin, and Dominic Hampton for that other spot. I think we'll see McDuffie play in up to four games for sure, but ultimately could receive a redshirt. Um, and he's also someone to watch in the return game. He's pretty electric in that category. Um, moving down the list, we have Liatu Latu, defensive end from Jesuit High School in California. Shows UW over pretty much the same teams I've been mentioning, you know, the top teams out there. Um, this guy's a, a your typical buck uh, rusher, so think Benning Potai but better, or at least that's what I'm reading. Um, said to be the best pass rusher that UW has hauled in since Hauli Kakaha um, and could definitely make the two deeps as a true freshman, um, challenging Joe Tryon, Ariel Nata, and Ryan Bowman for that spot. Um, and then lastly, to round out what I believe is the top five recruits that we got is local kid and quarterback Dylan Morris out of Grand Kapowson. Uh This is a lead 11 QB that, I've heard a lot of comparisons given Chris Peterson's uh, time at Boise State. A lot of comparisons to Kellen Moore, a better Kellen Moore, which if that's the case, I'm all for it because Kellen Moore tore it up for the Broncos back in the day. Um, he is also enrolling enro early, but it's almost a sure bet that this that he will be redshirting given the fact that you have Jacob Eason, Jacob Sermon, Colson Yankoff, and Jake Hayner already in that QB room. Um, so with that said, 
five exciting guys. Um, another one to watch that's a little bit down the board, but uh, still exciting nonetheless, is Sama Paama, who's only 16. Sold. Which is incredible that he's, at this point, only 16. But he's also 6'4", 335 pounds. Uh, he has skills to play on both sides of the ball if he wants, but he's probably going to start at a D-tackle. Um, I bet we'll see him for at least four games. Could become start part of that rotation given given the uh, aforementioned thinness along the defensive front next season. But um, really excited to see what this guy can do, especially because he probably can manage that weight a bit better and you know build some muscle and add to his game in that regard. So reminds me of uh, Amobi Okoye, who came out of the he was like a Houston Texan by the time he was nineteen there. So Sama Pama. Uh, funny anecdote there. When I got my driver's license at age 16, mm-hmm. uh, I put that I was, I was, this was not the case. I was a little bit heavier than this. I just didn't actually know what my weight was at the time. Mm-hmm. I put that I was 6'3", 135 pounds, which is <laughs> 200 pounds less uh, than uh, than that, that recruit that we mentioned. Um, so quite the difference between he and I wow. at that age. Yeah, and then uh, out of all the guys that you mentioned, right? I think you were head on or nails on in terms of uh, the scouting evaluation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the D line is a big part of it. Yep. Uh, of those guys, just kind of a you know you got to pick one as kind of the, the guy that you're rooting for. Uh, Jacob Bandis and all the uh, you know photos that they took there, him eating the football, like oh really? Yeah, that was that was his that was his uh, his pose rather than just you know the mean mug. That's he, beautiful. He took the fo- football and just you know put it in his mouth. That's my guy. Yeah, that, that's that's a good sign for me. That that goes right along with just the whole emphasis this season in the recruiting cycle, which has been beef. Just adding <laughs> beef to the line. Uh, yes. Four D tackles, three offensive linemen, nine signees are over two hundred and seventy pounds. Uh, four of which are over three hundred pounds. To compare, WSU only had two players over two seventy, with the biggest of those two being two eighty. So mm-hmm. we're absolutely um, overshadowing them in that regard. Um, it's kind of like what recruiting is down in the South because they just have so much more of that uh, right. at their fingertips. But uh, I know that's probably been an emphasis for them this season and last season and going forward just because we've seen what bigger opponents like Alabama and Auburn have been able to do with us and sure. push us around up front. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting even just thinking back to that John Canzano series that we did and in that first part of it, uh, Rick Neuheisel is, is quoted as talking about the difference between SEC football and Pac-12 football, how in the SEC you get... Uh, you know, eight guys a year coming in that are that size and that level of, of play, uh, whereas in the Pac-12, you, you maybe get one of them, right? Yeah. And so so to see that disparity addressed uh, directly in terms of, you know, that's how you compete at that level is to, to, to be able to be stout up front and then worry about the rest of it after that, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's definitely a good sign. Um, going through this this recruiting cycle one more time, um, just seeing how the recruiting world has evolved. I mean, I remember when I was like, you know, 15 16 i was i was hitting refresh every day on like the dogman recruiting boards and uh you know the the prospect ranking seeing if someone was medium interest or high interest uh but now with twitter it has really achieved this this whole other level of of following and i've noticed these these five key parts of any uh any recruits uh twitter cycle so so see see if i'm right on these um, there is the infamous iPhone notes screenshot yeah. of their top eight. Yep. Um, with emojis. With emojis. Yes, exactly. Every every team has a different emoji mm-hmm. uh, that they have made. 
Uh, after that, there is the uh, they're going on visits. There's the picture of them wearing the jersey, which is kind of weird. I've always thought like Very get into full uniform just for a photo shoot. Yeah, like the fact that Savelle Smalls from Garfield is currently rocking an Oregon jersey and like full uniform on his profile pic is yeah. a little strange. Yeah, a little strange. Uh, but that's the NCAA is not being able to handle things like that. <laughs> uh, so there's that. There's the number three one, which is retweeting uh, tweets from fan bases telling you to go to their school, yeah. right? And, and and so retweeting all of those, just showing how, how much clout you have. Uh, there's the other one, which is quote tweeting those tweets with a, the, hum, the hum emoji, right? Okay. Lots of those, yep. leaving it leaving it ambiguous. And then, uh, of course, the, the infamous uh, hashtag, so blessed to receive an <laughs> offer from, you know, like, so it, it always goes, so blessed to receive the offer from... You know Utah State University and and coach whatever, mm-hmm. but then the four pictures of, yeah. of the campus. So yeah. There's like two of the campus, one of like the football team, one of the stadium. Yeah. That's just a classic. Right? <laughs> no one does anything different. I honestly kind of hate it. Yeah, like if I was going through it, I mean, I'd like to say if I was going through it, I just like mind my own business and not tweet that stuff out. But um, I guess if I I was never a top <laughs> recruit at anything, so who am I to talk? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit different for us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a weird thing, and it's just kind of it's it is funny how so many recruits go through that same type of cycle. But it's just the name of the game. That's why there's there's uh, positions open at every school for recruiting, graphic design coordinators, and all that. Uh, it is a full time job. I think there's one more thing we need to mention about this class is the fact there's a kicker. Yes, that we have committed Timothy Horn out of uh, Hawaii. Um, He's the fifth-rated kicker in this class overall nationally. And per, uh, uh, I learned this today, but nationally recognized kicking coach Chris Saylor, uh, he has one of the strongest legs of this class with a 55-yard-plus range. Kickoffs are D1 ready, drives the ball deep, good hang time, all you'd want to hear about a kicker. So um, we might have a kicking competition here come mm-hmm. uh, spring, which I think is very justified given the situation we've had this year and last year. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think everyone would be okay with with Peyton Henry next year, even you know expecting a little bit of, a, of an increase in, in ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, if he's your baseline, and then there's a chance that we get even more talent at that by by switching to this kid, uh, you know. Nothing wrong with that. Sure. So uh, let's let's move on to third down there. Okay. Thank you for the recruiting info. Uh, that'll be more to t- pay attention to over the next couple of weeks um, as more recruits come in. Actually, that's a good question there. Uh, a couple guys. There's uh, Daniel Haimuli is one, mm-hmm. uh, a, a linebacker to pay attention to, yep. um, four star guy that could could make it up. And then the big the big coup uh, is Mr. Kyle Ford. Uh, where do we stand with that five star receiver? Yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath if I was a UW fan on Kyle Ford. Uh, It's been said for a long time that it was down to UW and Oregon, but he just recently took a visit to USC, um, which is kind of in his backyard, and apparently that went really well. The addition of Cliff Kingsbury also is sounds like that's pretty intriguing to Ford. Um, He will announce on January 5th at the Army All-American game, Um, but like I said, I think that's probably going to go to USC. But with that said, there is a kid named Puka Nakua, who's a wide receiver currently committed to USC, four-star kid at 217 overall. Um, that that will probably not be a part of their class if if Ford uh, c- c- commits signs with USC, and it's thought that we would extend an offer to him in the, in his place. So, guy to watch out for. Um, other than that, Kyle Patterson, three-star tight end, uh, a lot of comparisons to Cade Otten out of Arizona. Sounds like he is going to commit as well, but he wants to honor his visit to Air Force in January before making that decision, which I totally respect. And then um, 
There's also Henry Tooto uh, from De La Salle, top 50 guy, most likely headed to Alabama. And then last but not least, Asa Turner, who's mm. from Carlsbad, California, safety slash linebacker, committed to UW in July, but has since backed off his pledge and is now thinking about it between the Huskies and Notre Dame. That one's kind of up in the air at this point, honestly. I don't really care because if you don't want to be at UW and don't want to be a part of this, like, good riddance. We have a lot of other guys who can step up and be factors in this defense. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what's still to look for, what's still on the board. Yeah, Austin Turner was uh, – uh, Chris Peterson was was not so subtly subtweeting about uh, yeah. about Notre Dame's involvement in, in his – uh, and his commitment and getting getting in his ear just before he's about to to think about signing uh, with UW and kind of coming in at the eleventh hour mm-hmm. um, and something that, that doesn't seem like that's in in uh, Chris Peterson's playbook uh, and he wasn't too happy about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll stay turn, tuned on all those guys. Hopefully, can can turn some heads. But it sounds like uh, even if the class was just left as is, this is this is uh, quite the haul. Yes. Uh, but with some some guys to add. For sure. Third down here will be a brief one. Doesn't need to to spend too much time talking about the fact uh, that the Huskies are the healthiest they have been all season heading into this game. Um, something to note just of, of how many. How many guys were not healthy for various points of this season? And that might have gone a long way in what we've talked about a, a few times, which is how this team has not really looked like the best version of themselves, save for like the BYU game, which is not the game that you want to really dump the clip on. Uh, so no Trey Adams until the Oregon State game, and that was even just a kind of a cursory role. Didn't even start the Apple Cup. Uh, no Hunter Bryant until the Stanford game. Uh, I think having seen Hunter Bryant in the Apple Cup, we all understand how how much uh, yep. that that could have helped early in the season. No Miles Gaskin to finish the Oregon game certainly played a huge role in our offensive attack once he left. All of the Cal game, we all know how that went. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those points. Uh, I mean, there's been plenty of guys that haven't miss, that have missed time. DJ Beavers, Brandon Wellington. Um, you know, some of the, the offensive line rotation part of that as well. But it's been 32 days since the Huskies beat Utah. Uh, this should be the healthiest you've seen this team all season, which is uh, really something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, it is really nice. You'll also get Jared Hilbers back, who missed mm-hmm. the Apple Cup. Uh, I don't know if, I don't think he'll start. I believe Trey Adams and McGarry will start at the tackle positions, but obviously some nice depth to have. And then you also get Kamari Pleasant back, who missed UW's final three games. Um, Peterson did say that the, both those guys should be good to go. Do we learn what the Pleasant injury was? I don't think so. I mean, that's probably just, a, you know, they don't really say much. Yeah. Um, but the fact he's back is great. Sure. Um, to add to that depth and running back behind, uh, obviously, Gaskin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and I think that it, we'll talk about the, the pleasant role in the next down. But uh, interesting to see what, what they'll do with a lot of those. I mean, this is... This is your time. You got to win this game. Um, so you know it's it's one of those things where if they were playing in the uh, Las Vegas Bowl, right, your your game plan might be a little bit different to try and showcase some of these guys. Uh, but in a you know this is this is the granddaddy of them all. Uh, so you know we won't see as many of those young guys that, that we want to talk about. Maybe the Kamari Pleasant thing will take a, a little bit of backseat. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a good sign that that uh, it's not the opposite that we're yeah. not losing some of those guys sure. heading into this game. Speaking of injuries, I forgot to mention this uh, just before I went and picked you up from the the the, the bus stop earlier before this podcast. 
I'm a huge proponent of, of grocery store sushi. I just think it oh. has a magical quality to wow. it. So okay. uh, I went and stopped, picked up these these lovely scuttlebutt IPAs, mm-hmm. and then also a uh, spicy trio. Quality food centers? Uh, Safeway, ah, or okay. dangerous way, as, as yeah. I like to refer to it. <laughs> um, but uh, had the spicy trio, got the uh, the chopsticks from there. As I'm leaving the, uh, the, the Safeway to go to my car, I put the chopsticks in my mouth, mm-hmm. and I, my knee hits the bottom of the chopsticks, and so the chopsticks go straight into the top of my into the top of my mouth, uh, which was uh, pretty gross, right? It was spitting up blood like I'd just gone ten rounds wow. with with uh, with Buster Douglas, um, and you know makes the the spicy sushi was a little little tough after that when there's an open wound in your mouth. So uh, you know the Huskies played through some injuries this year in this podcast, yeah. Not to mention, Stanton cut open his thumb or middle finger. Middle finger as we were trying to open these beers because again, empty house. Yeah, no, no bottle openers. No bottle openers. Everyone's banged up. Yeah, yeah. I'm just amazed you got your knee up high enough to hit the chopsticks that were in your mouth. Yeah. So That's... I mean, think think about it. You're coming into the car. Yeah. Right. So it's like maybe it was. I, it kind of blacked out for a second. It might have been like <laughs> knee to arm to, okay. to chopsticks. Right. Uh, Chain of events. There. Yeah. But uh, either way, it wasn't pretty. And yeah. we'll be good. To, we'll be full goes by January first, though. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. We <laughs> we gotta get healthy. Yeah. Uh, thank God we didn't play a, a Christmas Cup this year. Those. Oh really yeah. Bang, I'd, I'd have a torn hammy. Right banged now. up for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So 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 pray for us. We're we're really going through it. Um, <laughs> Best of luck in our recovery. Uh, to fourth down here, uh, what are some look-fors in this game? This is my favorite part about bowl games is kind of the – in college football in general, is just as the one season ends, it's kind of right as the next wave of guys has had a full season to get better, to, to, to kind of round into shape as what they're going to look like as a, as a, uh, a, a Pac-12 quality player. What are the look-fors in this game that are kind of good indicators for next season? I'll give you an example of this. Uh, in 2001, when we beat uh, Purdue in the Rose Bowl, the guy that finished that game for Marcus Tuiasosopo was Cody Pickett. And that was kind of the signal of, okay, here's here's we're passing the torch uh, for next season. Pickett came in through a couple passes. We won't see next year's starting quarterback in this game. Jacob Beeson uh, is not allowed to play. Um, but the uh, the idea there is still the same. Of wh- What can we look for this in this game that's going to bode well for next year? I'm, first of all, I didn't know that Pickett actually played. Yeah. Why would he have played in that, given the fact it was only a 10-point game? I think I think it was a 10-point game. We had the ball. Interesting, though, because he threw two passes. Yeah. Yeah, so so we were trying to run it up on Purdue. I hope we don't do anything like that in this game, uh, unless we're just winning by so much. Um, Keep in mind, we might be running it up on Urban Meyer. Do you still feel that way? Oh, I would love everything about that. There you yeah. go. So, so yeah, if we all. have Jake Hayner throwing bombs up, yeah. up 13... <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, up 13, I don't know if I'd want Hainer in there. Yeah, that's true. That's in the danger zone for, <laughs> yeah. for Mr. Hainer. Yeah. Um, I mean, it should be, an, I mean, honestly, I'm not really expecting a lot different from a personnel standpoint. Uh, maybe from a play calling standpoint, you might see some true. more wrinkles that they've added in in these 30 days or so that they've had uh, to plan for this game. Um, but, like, I'm honestly just kind of expecting the same people. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to see... Hunter Bryant get involved more. Yep. Um, I would like to see Trey Adams get a full game's worth of snaps if mm-hmm. he's capable of that, which it, I feel like he will be, given the fact he's had so much time that he's been back now. 
Um, also wouldn't mind seeing, uh, we've seen how Savan Ahmed like fits into this offense. I wouldn't mind seeing him get a few more carries, uh, in between the tackles. Yep. Now that obviously is, I don't want that to jeopardize our position in the game necessarily, but it would be nice to see maybe even Sean McGrew, uh, as a, you know, out of the backfield as a passing back or something like that. So, um, but overall I'm just. You know, stick to plan. I'd more rather see uh, uh, play calling uh, variations and wrinkles in that regard than just playing people because they're going to be coming in next year. I mean, yeah, that's why they're they'll be playing next year anyway. So yeah, yeah. You had uh, you had my my two big ones there, which is how is Hunter Bryant going to look in kind of a feature role, mm-hmm. um, and then also are there going to be situations where Hunter Bryant and Kate Otten are on the field at the oh, same yeah. time? I'd because love that. that's going to be your one two punch in terms of tight ends next year. Very excited about those. Otten, uh, Mr. Neckroll, a uh, real throwback player. Uh, Hunter Bryant is anything but that. He's kind of the, the new age tight end. So mm-hmm. having those two guys and seeing how how well Kate Otten has looked as a blocker this season yep. uh, just as just a redshirt freshman, certainly exciting of the possibilities of having both of them on the field where you have kind of the, the, the good parts of tight ends. Uh, Kate Otten's no slouch in the passing game either. No. Um, so those could both be feature parts of next year's offense. You had the other one, Savon Ahmed, as your feature back, as the deep back. But then also, are we going to see situations uh, when Miles Gaskin's getting a spell where it's Kamari Pleasant and Savon Ahmed in the backfield at the same time? Because that is going to be a feature part of next year's offensive attack. Mm-hmm. And then on defense, my big question here is, are you ready, uh, DJ Beavers, right? Levi Onwuzurike, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Tryon, mm-hmm. Nagata, uh, Brandon Wellington, Brandon McKinney. Uh, and Elijah Molden, guys that will are all playing kind of niche roles right now, but are they ready to? Uh, I, I would say uh, on Levi and, and DJ Beavers are the ones that are featured most as yeah. it currently stands. Uh, but those other guys, are you ready to compete at the highest level? And then those guys that are already a part of it, are you ready to be the feature piece rather than just you know a uh, a, a kind of secondary part of this defense? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see a decent amount of Elijah Molden. Um, you do have Miles Bryan in that nickel position, and he's playing in his hometown of Pasadena. So, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't be surprised to see that guy absolutely show out and be hard to unseat from that nickel spot. But, what did he call it? What did he call it, Pasadena? The Dina P. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miles Bryan got way cooler after he said that. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, it's it. Uh, that that'll be probably a podcast that we'll do after after this Rose Bowl. Yeah, is, what yeah. is what does things look like for next season? Yeah. Uh, kind of penciling that in. That'll go hand in hand with the recruiting class finishing up as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 going to be exciting to see how they use those guys and are they ready for the moment? Yeah, I mean Peterson cycles in a lot of players as it is, probably mm-hmm. more so than most teams. So I mean we will see a lot of players. In, yeah just because that's how he plays the game or likes to play the game. But, um, yeah, no, it, it will be – we we probably owe everybody out there us not another podcast to prep for the uh, the long offseason, stuff to look forward to, yeah. players to look forward to. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But focusing in on this game, uh, we'll get out of our downs here and move into our Ohio State preview, break it down in two ways, talking about your Jimmys and Joes, the athletes, the, uh, the players that Ohio State has to look out for, and then the X's and O's. Uh, which are the kind of you know schematic parts of the game uh, to, um, to to focus on as well. For Jimmy's and Joe's, it starts with Ohio State. Um, well, obviously their their coach is a bit of a celebrity, and we'll get to him later. 
Uh, I mean, we might have a certain segment dedicated to him. Uh, but uh, but it starts with a quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Ohio State has always been a prolific offense under Meyer, a uh, very good offensive mind. But Dwayne Haskins has really taken them to a next level. Uh, Haskins himself, um, curious to see kind of what your read on him is. He's uh, he's a very average athlete. He's not a yeah. not a super you know mobile guy. He can get it done. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a Cardell Jones for them. But he, uh, unlike JT Barrett from last year, is very willing and very capable of stretching the field and throwing it deep, uh, which has really been the the thing for Ohio State to, to advance their offense as they have this season. Yeah, and he's coming into this game probably in the best form he's seen all season, uh, throwing 180 or 895 yards, 11 touchdowns, and one only one interception over his last two games. A 62-39 win over Michigan and a 45-24 win over Northwestern. Um, he now leads the nation in passing yards, eclipsing um, Gardner Minshew's uh, amount by 103 yards. Um, but with that said, he isn't really a factor on the ground, so we know what to expect. He's going to mm-hmm. be throwing it. He's not going to be running it. He's only only had three games in which he's accumulated more than 10 rushing yards this season. So um, at least you don't have to worry about that. Um, but with that said, you're talking about the third, the number three guy in the Heisman voting. Yeah. Uh, so this is a great player, and he has a just a slew of wide receivers that he can throw to as well that are very talented. Yeah, we'll get to those to those pass catchers there. But but I think you brought up a good point, right? He's not a great runner, but that's a good sign if you can get him out of the pocket and, and you know even if he scrambles sure. for six yards, I think that's a good sign that we're able to get him off of his spot because. Uh, he's kind of just this perfect, you know, general of that Ohio State offense. Mm-hmm. Another point about Haskins here: uh, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Ryan Rosillo and uh, former Seahawk Trent Dilfer, uh, who I've, I've come around on Trent Dilfer. He's he, oh, okay. Dilfer's dimes used to piss me off. Yeah. The elite eleven stuff used to piss me off. Yeah. but he's very humble, right? He'll be the first to tell you that he sucked <laughs> as a quarterback, but still won a Super Bowl. Okay. So that's always a good sign. Good uh, humility, <laughs> but. He was having this this kind of binary discussion about uh, great quarterbacks, and great quarterbacks are either uh, they're either surgeons or they're butchers, right? So they're either way they work with knives, they are trying to carve something up. Uh, but a surgeon is very you know meticulous with it, very accurate uh, down to a science. Whereas a butcher is going to get the job done, uh, but it's going to be sloppy in the process. And he he put Haskins in the surgeon category, uh, where it's it's a much more um, you know measured approach. He's not just going to he has a a wow arm, uh, but he's not just going to you know crank balls down the field just because he's able to do that. Sure, um, he's much much more measured. So very similar, I think, in an evaluation standpoint. Um, to to Justin Herbert from Oregon in terms of great raw ability from both guys, uh, but also very well coached and very uh, very precise in that. Obviously, uh, Herbert had a good game, um, certainly good moments against UW. Um, didn't make any big mistakes, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's what we're going to have to do with with Haskins is make him make a mistake or two. Otherwise, that that surgeon tech or surgeon uh, tendency from him is going to going to be tough to stop. Yeah, I mean, and we have the the group of guys on the back end to make him make those mistakes. It's just you're also probably going up against the best receiving core we've seen this mm-hmm. season. So honestly, like the matchups in this game are perfect. Yeah. There's so many different matchups that are like best versus, you know, strength versus weakness or strength versus strength. Yeah. But it's just there's a lot of storylines here. It's I'm, I'm, I would be excited for Rose Bowl, obviously, but I think this is like the perfect setup. No, I, I definitely agree. Uh, real quick on the running backs for for the Bucks. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is a is a true sophomore, back to back thousand yard years. Uh, Mike Weber is uh, is a fourth year junior. Uh, he's already decided that he's going to go pro. 
Um, he's certainly capable talent-wise, led the led the Buckeyes in rushing uh, the year before Dobbins got there. And it will be interesting to see uh, with with Weber going pro, uh, his his pro prospects on the line, whether he's featured in this game mm-hmm. or whether it will be the Dobbins show. It doesn't really matter. Both guys are very good. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly the best running back, or you know, two of the best running backs that the Huskies have played this year. Two of those receivers, my goodness, right? Paris Campbell, number 21. KJ Hill, number 14. Uh, Terry McLaurin, number 83. Benjamin, not Benjamin, Benjamin. Whoa. Uh, yeah, all eyes. Uh, number nine, uh, Victor, Benjamin Victor. Number 16, Chris Olave. And number one, Johnny Dixon. All guys who are extremely productive uh, parts of that passing attack and guys who will be featured. Uh, they throw a lot, right? So every one of them could end up with, with four catches. Um, and that would just be a normal normal part of that. What scares me about this well, I'll give you two things. All of those guys I mentioned, only Benjamin Victor is over six foot one. Thinking about how how last year went against Penn State, it was the big targets that really gave us trouble. Um, that you know could, you couldn't get arms around mm-hmm. guys like Mike Gesicki and Deshaun Hamilton. Only Benjamin Victor is at that size, but at the same time, uh, a lot of those guys are in the mold of Dylan Mitchell from Oregon. Uh, very very tough cover for us this season. Uh, it was very hard to to keep him keep him reined in, and that was just one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, this is going to be a huge test for the Husky defensive backs. Yeah, I mean, just right off the bat, those are four wide receivers that have amassed each amassed over 640 yards receiving this season. To compare, UW only has one player in Aaron Fuller, mm-hmm. um, who is in the 700s. So um, that alone is it's pretty impressive in itself then you have two guys that have double digit touchdowns and Campbell and McLaurin at 11 each um, McLaurin kind of jumps out just because even though he has only 34 receptions and 669 yards which is the third best on the team um, his his average re- average uh, yards per catch I think is up in the 19 yard region yeah. so um, he's uh, just from the numbers he seems like their deep ball threat guy. Yeah. Um, so something to watch there, but they can spread it around and do it with four players plus two running backs mm-hmm. is just crazy. Yeah, Paris Campbell took a took a sweep or a, a, a jet sweep uh, against Michigan for for seventy yards. I mean, they, all of these guys are are kind of built like running backs playing the receiver position, uh, which really helps them with their offense, which is a lot of. Uh, a lot of drag routes, a lot of crossing patterns, a lot of design plays to get those guys running across the field. Um, so it'll be interesting to see with the UW zone is how they how they hand off and how they can uh, make sure that those guys are covered as they come all the way across the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to, to the, that kind of specification uh, in a little bit. But on defense, the guy to look out for for Ohio State uh, would be Nick Bosa. He's yep. probably going to be your number one overall pick. Yep. Uh, but he has ended his his junior season um, before it's before it was over uh, to focus on the draft as he's kind of battling some injuries. Uh, don't really blame him, but that's that's a whole other discussion um, that we'll talk about a little bit later as it pertains to UW players in the same kind of position. Uh, but Dramont Jones, a defensive tackle for Ohio State, uh, is probably the the highest will be the highest drafted Buckeye. Uh, on the defensive side, this is a, a big defensive tackle um, who's not short on athleticism. A uh, guy who looks like a linebacker but is playing the defensive tackle position. Certainly a guy who could uh, could wreak havoc instantly on a play. Uh, 
my mind goes right back to playing those Auburn defensive lines who, as soon as the play started, uh, there was already interior pressure that, that, that created some havoc. So Dremont Jones is the guy at number 86 for Ohio State, I would say, to look out for. Yeah, he's one of the two guys that are underclassmen, well, not underclassmen, but two guys that have already uh, declared for the draft as juniors, going with Mike Weber. Um, their defensive line has it's been kind of shaky. Once they lost Bosa, they kind of were cut adrift a bit. Um, there was some inconsistency, but they seem to have been putting together in the last two games. Uh, they've amassed eight sacks, so they're kind of coming into stride at the right time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can carry that over um, into this one as well. Um, with that said, I think the defense as a whole, though, has been pretty underwhelming for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they've had some struggles in uh, trying to employ some press coverage, um, and they've also had some issues in just wrapping up and let, you know missing tackles. Um, they've allowed six carries of six rushing touchdowns of 75 yards or more, which is the most of any team in the last 15 seasons. So they are susceptible to the big play. So look for Miles Gaskin to, Gaskin to exploit that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they've given up for over 400 yards on defense in 10 of their 13 games. And 11 of their 13 games, if you drop that mark down to 392 yards. So um, UW, for comparison, UW has only given up more than 392 yards in three games. Auburn, UCLA, and Stanford. So um, this is definitely something that UW can can look towards uh, trying to exploit. I think our offense will have um, a better day than, say, against Utah. Um, But with that said, there still is a lot of talent on that defensive side of the ball, and if they can somehow put it together, um, we'll be in for a long day for sure. Yeah, exactly. Put it together was the the operative uh, term there because the Ohio State team is is certainly capable of clamping down. They made Michigan uh, really, really work for points, and Michigan was only able to score as much as it was because they have NFL guys there. Uh, but then the week before the Michigan game, Ohio State gave up 51 to to Maryland, who followed that up by putting three up against Penn State. Huh. Uh, Maryland is a, is a you know good lights on lights off offense, but they got shut out against Iowa. Um, so they are susceptible, but it seems like, and even just kind of from the conversations of that Michigan game, it was it was just a, a is Ohio State intense enough that week? And obviously, you're going to get up for the for the you know the the big game against Michigan. Are you going to get up for the Rose Bowl when you were disappointed, perhaps that you weren't in the the college football playoffs? So that'll be interesting. Um, to to the to the X's and O's part of it. Every time I'm, I'm asked by anyone about this game and, and how I feel about it, my big concern is not with our defense because I, there's no way that our defense gets just smoked. We're not we're not wired like that. Uh, there's there's going to be some chunk plays. There's going to be some frustrations for sure. Ohio State is too good on offense to not create that. My big concern is can we score enough? There's no scenario in this in this game that I can imagine the Huskies winning a game where they don't score more than 28, right? Can you put up four touchdowns in this game? You know, when you put up 10 against Utah, uh, no no offensive touchdowns, um, really haven't had that that complete game against a defense with, you know, that has struggled but has NFL talent on it. Uh, I worry about that. And so from a from an X's and O's standpoint, I think it's going to come down to can we control the ball? Can we get in situations where we can execute play action without getting pressure and forcing Jake out of the pocket? Um, but can we get guys, can we get Fuller 
Aaron Fuller, Ty Jones, Andre Bocelli, and Hunter Bryant. Can we get them matchups downfield where they can win? Because it's going to take plays where we are pushing the ball down the field. I don't think that you can just run Miles Gaskin three times and get a, get a fresh set of downs over and over uh, like we have been able to against other teams. To add to that, I would love to see, and we've been saying this all year, but I'd love to see a little bit more hurry up because yep. we seem to be almost invincible when we do that. <laughs> and then secondly, uh, in the red zone, because we've been so poor in the red zone, I'd like to see us just stick to our game plan and not try to get cute like mm-hmm. we've also done. I'm talking about that option play <laughs> against Auburn, for instance, things like that. Um, so I think if we stick to those two things, and, and like I said, maybe – are a little bit more up-tempo at times, I think we can really exploit this defense. Um, the thing about their offense versus our defense, I mean, our defense is pretty much as good as they come, and their offense is pretty much as good as they come. So honestly, like, if they're better than our defense, then I'm just kind of like, hats yep. off to you guys. Yep, you know, exactly. you're better at that. Um, I won't really be upset. But, uh, you know, it's, like I said, it's these are amazing matchups. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just excited to watch this from an, even from a neutral standpoint. This should be a, just a great matchup, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah. Someone was talking about my dad before uh, before we did this podcast. Is it, It'll be interesting to see. I mean, can, how early does, does UW go into the gadget game, right? Is, yeah. it, is it early in the game? Uh, and does that, does that bode Half well for the pass t- you're talking about? Exactly. Stuff like right. That. To, to, yeah. the, to the reverses. To the, to the jet sweep action, how early do they go into that? Because one could argue that going into it very early is not a sign that you have a lot of confidence in your offense. However, yeah. uh, it could be the thing that kind of breaks that game open. Um, so that, that will happen at some point. I hope, you know, that, that the specific Aaron Fuller pass, uh, not so sure if it's going to be that play or something else, but, um, you know, can't wait for when that happens. It's just when. And I think that's the balance that, that uh, they'll try and strike all week. And it's worked pretty consistently over Pete's tenure here. So, like, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. I think he doesn't give a, you know, doesn't yeah. care at all about what people think when it comes to, oh, mm-hmm. we're not trusting our offense just to do their job. We have to employ these these kind of, you know, gimmicky plays to score. I mean, if they work, might as well. So yeah. I have no issue with it. Yeah. Uh, just don't overdo it. You yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. But, you know, it's it's can we create those those uh, those big explosive plays? Because, you know, the longer the UW drive goes, the more difficult it's going to be as you kind of the, the, the caboose starts to come at the uh, the, the, the engine there uh, mm-hmm. as you get closer to the red zone. So can they, you know, can they have those, if they're going to score a touchdown, can it be a five-play 75-yard type drive rather than a 10 play uh, 75 yard drive which is just a little bit difficult to sustain so mm-hmm. uh, keep an eye on that Kim are we gonna you know attack them downfield to, to make something like that happen on the defensive side of the ball this is what we've talked about Ohio State's talent level is is most apparent uh, on their offense so that'll be the big challenge for the UW defense interesting to note uh, as we talked about S&P plus ratings to start the show UW is the number fourth ranked defense Ohio State has played two other top five defenses. They played Michigan uh, in the big game. Obviously, put up uh, sixty points on yeah. them. Um, one, you know, seven of those were a blocked blocked punt return. So only fifty nine on Michigan. <laughs> uh, but then they played Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State uh, lost to the Buckeyes twenty six to six. Ohio State only put up uh, seventeen offensive points in that game. So um, there's kind of two two sides that you can go with that. Of uh, a really good defense can stifle Ohio State or uh, Ohio State is, uh, you know, just gangbusters and can can neutralize any good defense. Yeah, what you just said there makes me just 
I don't know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so yeah, that was just take that with a grain of salt that uh, there is precedent for a good defense really, you know, at least limiting what Ohio State can do. Um, but there's also precedent for Ohio State just mm-hmm. throttling Michigan, as we all saw. I, I would be media. surprised if the Husky defense allows that to happen like yeah. Michigan did. Um, that's probably me with some purple colored glasses on. But no, no same, way. No but way. at the same time, like we're ta- I think UW leads the country in most games that we haven't given up like plus forty points or something mm-hmm. like that. So um, why why stop that streak now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so defensively, what Ohio State does, they they do they do take a lot of shots downfield. Uh, they really test your discipline of your defensive backs. Can you run with them and cover those receivers as they're going downfield without? Uh, creating pass interferences without holding plays. Really, it comes down to, you know, you kind of know exactly what Ohio State's going to do. They're going to do a lot of crossing routes. Uh, in the run game, they're going to do a lot of, of the zone read. Can you be sa- can you be fundamentally sound at the second level uh, and make tackles as those running backs are coming through the line? Uh, can you stay with the receivers as they're running across the field? My biggest question is, are we going to see that same defensive look that we saw against Washington State, where we had three down linemen, two linebackers, and then six defensive backs? Logic would say yes, given how, how well Ohio State throws. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like if, if we show that look, they're going to opt into to running the ball uh, and just cut us up that way. So it's, it's not as easy as a matchup for us as, as the Washington State one is. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the one nice thing about having those six DBs is you get a player like Elijah Molden on the field. To accompany Miles Bryant, mm-hmm. um, and my, Elijah Molden, I think plays pretty well up front at the line of scrimmage and can still make plays, uh, making tackles up there near the line of scrimmage. So I don't think there's that, as much of a drop off from playing having to play him versus playing you know that that third linebacker. But um, yeah, this <laughs> just in general, this yeah. offense scares the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they are nasty. They are really nasty, especially when you get the ball in those receivers' hands. Paris Campbell is one of those guys of, like, you just watch him play, and it's like, I wish we had a player like that. Yeah. He, he is so, so nasty. We're, we're missing a player like that. Yes. Uh, like an X-factor wide receiver that yeah. can really break a game up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so so that level of talent is something that will be will be new to, Ohio, to, to, to the Huskies playing them this year. Uh, even Auburn did not possess that level of, of offensive ability. Yeah. Um, and, and Oregon has a couple of those guys, Verdell and Dylan Mitchell, mm-hmm. um, who are players like that that can bust you open, but not to the extent no. that Ohio State does. No, and like Auburn's best wide receiver was more of a possession receiver guy, mm-hmm. uh, Davis, I think, or yep. something like that. So. Yeah. And, and this reminds me a lot of the Penn State game, just in terms of you have a, a system that's working. Was it Blackwell that was their deep guy or one of the – yeah, burned us. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton burned us. Oh, Kasicki, yeah. and then yeah, they had a couple other just big name, big you know, physically imposing guys mm-hmm. uh, that we really struggled with. So sure. I, I, you know, there's like I said, there's going to be Ohio State's whole thing is is making you work sideline to sideline in coverage. You got to be airtight, otherwise these guys are going to to put up twenty yard plays on you just over and over. The big question is, can you put pressure on Haskins? Can you put pressure on Haskins? Can you get a ball in the air? Can you get a tip mm-hmm. to to create a little bit of chaos to kind of stop the machine? Because otherwise, it just worries me that the, the precision of that Ohio State offense, given that we kind of just we give you the easy stuff, Ohio State can take the easy stuff all day and still score on you. Um, and that's that's are we going to be able to give you the easy stuff, but then also create a little bit of havoc to get the ball back or at least get the ball back in, in favorable 
field position for our offense. Yeah, and I think that havoc you speak of could be, I'm thinking of Joe Tryon right now, just because he's been playing so well as yeah. of late off that edge. So um, I would love to see him get in the backfield a few times and make yeah. something happen. I was going through the, the Go Huskies roster today, just thinking of you know guys, guys that I would like to see step up. Redshirt freshman Joe Tryon, uh, we don't have another player like that with the measurables 6'5", 267. Um, that's, that's a special level of size, and we've seen his, his performance really take an uptick in the Apple Cup mm-hmm. um, and then also uh, you know turn some heads a little bit in the Utah game. Uh, if he can get involved and you hear his name in the backfield on, on, in, in the Rose Bowl, that is a real good sign. Yeah, and speaking of him, Laitu Latu is going to be hopefully be that guy coming in. Yeah. So it will be nice to have two you know, 6'4", 6'5", pass rushing guys like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's this is going to be a test. But as you said, and I think we're in complete agreement on this. Is I'm I'm welcome to it, right? Like, what you know, the Huskies are six point underdogs, six and a half point underdogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, my expectations for winning, not the highest, no. but I am very curious to see how we match up as a measuring measuring stick test uh, as a program. Totally agreed. I'm honestly like this. People might not want to hear this, but I'm just ecstatic that we're in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, any any type of win will be extra for me. Uh, obviously, I want the Huskies to win really badly, but at the same time, I'm not going to be super upset if we lose this one. But uh, I think it's right there. I mean, we're good yeah. enough to beat this team, I think. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, you know, a, a, a team like us who has a bunch of talent in the secondary can create a little bit of... of you know, pressure on their receivers and get them not where they're supposed to be or covered when they're supposed to be someone wide open and create that kind of indecision. Uh, it's just, can we can we capitalize on offense when that happens? Because I think we'll get one or two chances at that with a short field or with a, you know, a, a big turnover or something like that. Sure. Uh, but can we can we really make them pay to equalize how, how much our offense is probably going to struggle as they are want to do. Uh, to the rest of the Pac-12 in their bowl report, um, we've only had one Pac-12 game so far. It was the Arizona State-Fresno State game. Uh, Fresno State, real good. And it's yeah. unfortunate that, that they had to play such an early bowl game because that, that is a talented team, uh, well-coached team. And uh, as we talked about before the bowl season, Fresno State winning means that uh, Ohio or Oregon State is rele- relegated out of the Pac-12. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, but I mean, Fresno State, like you said, is is the real deal. Like they are probably one of the more probable teams to make the uh, Group of Five uh, New Year's Six Bowl berth or qualify for that in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Jeff Tedford's doing an amazing job down there, um, and this is a team that when he joined them was awful. Like I think they had a two or three win season before he joined them a couple years ago. So yeah, um, yeah, he's doing a great job. And ASU, I think, proved a lot of people wrong and played a lot better than a lot of people thought they would. But at the end of the day, Fresno State is too good. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the, the, Fresno State was able to beat uh, Boise State in Boise for the the, the Mountain West Championship as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's you know it's it's small potatoes. It's it's kind of uh, you know B League football if, if you want to say that, but. You know they they handed it to to Arizona State, albeit without Nikhil Harry. I appreciate your potatoes slash Boise reference, by the way. Was it the Idaho Bowl? Uh, Probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Boise State's in that half the time. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and the so there's there's uh, seven total Pac-12 teams that have played Arizona or that will play bowl games. Arizona State has lost. Uh, there's five ones before the the Rose Bowl. Cal plays TCU on the 26th. They are one point favorites. 
Wazoo uh, plays the next day on the 27th. They are three-point favorites against uh, Iowa State. Stanford plays Pitt on New Year's Eve. They are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, if you're talking to anybody about um, you know gambling predictions or, or uh, bowl games that you want to snag, Stanford minus five-and-a-half against Pitt is a pretty good one for me, albeit Bryce Love will not be playing in that game. Oh, really? Oregon okay. is playing Michigan State on New Year's Eve. They're two-point favorites. Utah is playing Northwestern on New Year's Eve. They are seven-point favorites, and if you've been paying attention, that means that five of the remaining six uh, Pac-12 bowl games have the Pac-12s as favorites in them. So, so we'll go 0-5 in those? <laughs> yeah. So we'll go 0-5 in those, and it'll be even more disappointing yeah. uh, than, than it was last year. 1-8 and eight last year, just as a reminder. We got nine teams in bowl games yeah. last year? Yeah. I was just thinking about it. When's the last year? I mean, you probably won't know this off the top of your head, but when's the last year that UCLA and USC weren't in a bowl game? Wow, year. I was trying to frantically look that up as you're typing. But Let's just make it up. Never happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First time ever. You've heard it here. Yeah, yeah. it was when uh, it was when um, Grover Cleveland was was playing for USC. <laughs> Again, made made up. Yeah, but I think Grover would have been a good good uh, good good definite left, offensive line. Yeah, left guard yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Glad we agree on that. Uh, that's a fun podcast. Is <laughs> drafting presidents as, yeah. as we should get into some historical football podcast. Just really go deep on like 2001. Teddy Oscars. Roosevelt saved football. Yeah, Nin- right. 1945. Too many people were dying in football games, so we said, "How do we make this safer?" And then we said, "Okay, we'll put helmets on them. Let's do that." Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Teddy Roosevelt um, knew that you know the old football wasn't great for the old noggin <laughs> since uh, since quite some time ago. Wow. Uh, and then uh, Ohio State, six-and-a-half-point favorites uh, against the Dogs in the Rose Bowl. Any of those that you're kind of looking at from an entertainment perspective? I know for me, uh, seeing how Wazoo matches up against Iowa, Iowa State is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at the impending cooging of a mm-hmm. bowl game, so that's always fun. Um, I'm looking forward to the Cheez-It Bowl just because of the name itself. <laughs> There's probably some good old-fashioned debauchery that's going to go down in that the one. The ads will be fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, looking forward to the Red Box Bowl. <laughs> These names are awful. Um, Great just, reminder that Red Box is a company. <laughs> yeah, it's still hanging around. Um, just because, you know, I, I for some reason I love Michigan State's defense. Like, mm-hmm. just D'Antonio, always a defensive-minded coach going against Oregon, which is thought of you know, maybe not necessarily this season, but Herbert's playing. I think so. I think so. I think. He's I mean, playing. they're just known to be a high flying offense. Yeah. Like that's their kind of mo, and and Sparty's mo is being a you know a defense, you know, cutthroat type of defense type thing. So that's kind of fun. I think Sporty, Sparty Cup. Yeah, there's three games on the 31st that involve uh, Pac-12 teams. So yep. might as well just settle in for that one. Yeah, that'll be moving and shaking day. I think you'll be you'll be flying, maybe watching some of those uh, via the plane. Uh, yeah. I will be um, out about in L.A. We are both going to be at the Rose Bowl, which I'm extremely excited about. Um, it's it's a hard week to do great cat because it hasn't been a ton yeah. to react to. Yeah. Um, uh, the the you know the the usual suspects could always be there. My great cat this week is uh, I was rewatching the the Ohio State Michigan game in prep for this game, and I decided I love Gus Johnson, but just the the continual ability of the media to be fooled by Urban Meyer over and over and over is, is this just a heart attack. It, well, game? it it was more the 
let's change what Urban Meyer's year has been like to make let's make this this uh, this story of resilience glorify him exactly and how he's been able to respond to to this outside pressure respond that you created <laughs> yeah, yeah you monster right like yeah. let's, and the health stuff I. You know, people can say, man, that's sure crazy that both times he's had pressure at a program, he ended up with a health problem. That's nuts. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him that, whatever, sure, right? You not? can have health problems. Doesn't that, mitigate that, what, what happened. Yeah, exactly. It's like, let's let's not make it this, this you know, this secondary thing, how he's responded to, to shittiness. Let's talk about the shittiness, right? Like, yeah. like what was going on in that program? Let's get in it. <laughs> yeah, at at Florida and at Ohio State that uh, that led or what preceded your your leaving uh, at those programs. So yeah, the media talking about Urban Meyer as anything other than uh, a, a sketchy figure is is really really annoying. And I'm glad that I don't have to watch the Rose Bowl on TV because they'll probably yeah. talk about it in that, oh, those yeah. terms too. Well, I texted you this the day it came out that he is retiring. It's like, well, there goes any coverage that the Huskies yep. could possibly get for this game. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of mine as well. It's like, okay, this Urban Meyer, reti- Urban Meyer retiring aspect yeah. is going to be the biggest storyline of the entire day, which is BS because the storyline should be these two teams that have earned their way into, in my opinion, the best bowl there is. Yeah. So yeah. I'm pretty disappointed in that regard. Um, with that said, I'm going to just avoid all that noise, <laughs> mostly from ESPN. Yeah. So. No, it's it's funny. I was looking at the uh, the athletic app and and looking at all the Ohio State football stories that have been published since the Rose Bowl came out. Yeah, there are about three sentences total in the twenty five stories that have come out since then uh, that are dedicated to anything about the Huskies. It's all about Urban Meyer, the the playoffs sliding them, signing hmm. day. There's been no actual like pumping out of analysis or information. If you're an athletic subscriber in, in Columbus, Ohio, and you're looking for information about the Rose Bowl, uh, very hard to find because it's all big picture narrative with um, with the, the the Urban Meyer transition, uh, their new coach coming in, or anything other than the minutia of the actual game. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that seeps into the program itself, but it's just interesting that uh, the game itself is not a, a, a giant issue enough for the athletic to cover it uh, heading into the game. Yeah, and the whole like sliding of not making it in the playoff. You guys lost to a six and six Purdue team by twenty nine, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Whereas Oklahoma lost to a good Texas team, who they who they who got they didn't avenge yep. that loss later on in the season. Like you can talk about strength of schedule and whatever, but like at the end of the day, you guys lost to a pretty bad team. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm not buying that either. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird with the Ohio State. They're always they're always in that that uh, that scuttlebutt as as you will with the uh aptly for the for the beer that associates with this <laughs> podcast right now yeah um to our okgs of the week uh what do you got for that i'm gonna give it to a kaika malloy who mm. uh who on two four house yeah yeah he's like you know five recruits out of the out of the hawaiian islands which is his patch um and then even more so if you bring in just overall the polynesian guys that we got in this class um on top of that, 247.com ranks the best uh, coaches by recruiting. So what the average star rating they got 
what you know the aggregate or whatever As their lead recruiter yeah and he was the number one recruiter in the pac 12 this cycle Interesting. so um hats off to him for hauling in another great class um so he's my okg of the week and he hauled in a full slate of okgs as well mm-hmm. so pretty happy about that yeah yeah if you bring in more okgs than than you take up then that's 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 an easy one yeah, that's an uh, OKG. i've got two right here uh Byron Murphy and Taylor Rapp for okay. not having any question about whether they're playing in this yeah. game. Amen. Yeah, that's uh, you know, that's it's it's again, it's completely up to the player, but it is kind of it's uh, it just shows you that that's that's the type of thing that we have here. Is this is not a what's my draft profile status? Mm-hmm. Both of these guys will be taken care of, uh, barring something catastrophic happening happening to them. Um, and I understand I the Ed Olivers of the world, the Nick Boses of the world. Uh, I completely understand where you're coming from as as playing in those games. It's completely your choice, uh, but uh, but if that's your choice, then you know you have you have to understand that a fan base is going to appreciate sure. when you do continue to play. Uh, so Byron Murphy, Taylor Rapp, for both being first round draft picks um, for sure in this this May's draft, um, and then continuing to play in this in this Rose Bowl game for one final time in purple and gold. Mm-hmm. Another OKG. The guy across from me at this table, huh. right? Uh, you doing podcasts with me, allowing this to be a weekly thing, um, is, is 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 big time. And uh, you know, it's it's been a fun ride, and you know, seeing it culminate into this moment, solid man. <laughs> yeah, this is a game we've been waiting for probably our whole lives. Um, I don't think you went to the. Did you go to the two thousand one? Oh, I was there. Okay, I've not. I've been to the Rose Bowl for a few UW UCLA games, but never for an actual Rose Bowl game. So this is pretty awesome that um, yeah. this is the first full season we did podcast and it can end like this. Um, honestly, I've never really asked you, I think maybe once, and you gave me a kind of a big range of like what the listener, how many people we have listened to this. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like, honestly, I don't really care. I yeah. just kind of, <laughs> it's just a fun time to talk yeah. about something that we are equally invested in and enjoy and uh yeah, no, it's been awesome, and I look forward to carrying on in the future, and maybe even fit some basketball stuff in there as well. Absolutely, and uh, the the other the other OKGs as we as we sign off here, uh, we're we're talking like we're about to die, uh, <laughs> but that's that's not the case. We will be back right after the Rose Bowl uh, to talk about how that game went and all that. Uh, but uh, but to all of you that listen, especially you know talking about the holidays here, a little bit more sentimental times. Uh, I've gotten texts from some people who listen that. They've uh, they've you know introduced the podcast to some of their friends. Nice. Um, you know, great pod. That that sort of th- stuff. I mean, that, that matters, man, because because you know we put in a lot of work to uh, to prepare for these things mm-hmm. um, and to see that it's uh, it's being appreciated by all of you. Uh, you know, it it, it it hits home, especially around this time. Yeah, of year. Huh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, man. Uh, we're, we're stoked. The, the Rose Bowl is going to be awesome. Yeah. Being there, uh, even if I'm just shaking my head in awe as the Huskies <laughs> are losing by 60. I'll be so happy <laughs> regardless. Yeah, it is, uh, it's just that type of place that, that uh, you know, it just only produces good vibes. It is mecca of college football. Yes, and you and I will meet up uh, before the game for sure. Yeah. Uh, if you are going to be at the Rose Bowl, hit me up as well. Uh, would love to see you. It's going to be a damn good time. So uh, go dogs, and uh, let's get it done. Yeah, go dogs. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back sometime in the week after the Rose Bowl. How quickly we jump back in the mic is directly related to the outcome of the game. I uh, hope to see some of you in Pasadena. Go dogs.